Good morning. morning. Welcome to Ripper Community Church. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm I'm impressed. You guys must have your phones like right here right now. Well done. (laughs) Way way to be here. Way to to honor God with your presence. That's a big deal. Uh, I'm excited for you today. Uh, And it actually leads me to my first question. My, My first question for you this morning is this. Why do you come here on a Sunday morning? Why do you come here on a Sunday morning? Why do you watch online on a Sunday morning or whenever you watch? Why do you show up? Maybe you're here and you're like, oh man, the music is great. I love listening to that and worshiping. That's the thing that just gets me through the week, gets me to Monday. I love the music, so I show up for the music. Uh, some of you might be like, you know, I just love seeing happy faces. And when I come to this place on a Sunday morning, I see tons of happy, smiling faces. And it just, it's great. I look forward to it all week. I love seeing some friends with some happy faces. Uh, maybe for you, it, it's your kids, right? Your kids kind of dragged you here because they wanted to go to RCC Kids and hang out with all of them over there. It's so much fun. They love being here. And, and that's awesome. And they dragged you along and you showed up and like, eh, it's not so bad. I guess I can do it for my kids. Nah, that's great too. That's awesome as well. Um, maybe for you, it's because you, you showed up once and like, man, I've never heard the Bible explained like that in a way that's relevant to my life, in a way that makes sense, in a way that I go into Monday and, hey, I can actually apply that, like it actually makes sense. Those are all fantastic reasons. They're all fantastic reasons. I think that those reasons are the reasons that we keep showing up. We keep coming. But today, I want you to to think and ask the question in a little bit deeper of a way. Like peel off that layer of shininess on the top level and go one level below or two or three levels below that. And I want you to answer the question again. Why did you come that one time? Why did you show up that one day? And you're, you're sitting there thinking, like, well, well, what one day are you talking about, Sam? Like, what, what do you mean? I don't understand. What, what are you talking about? What are you trying to allude to, Sam? And I'm asking you why you showed up that one time. Maybe it was your first time. Maybe it was years in, but, but it was that day when life was just a struggle. It was just hard. You're pushing through. Everything seemed to be running up against this brick wall of resistance and it was just so hard and you were searching for answers. You were searching for some answers that finally made some sense of this world that we're living in and you're having a hard time finding them. Every answer you found just didn't add up. It all seemed kind of aimless, like nothing really made a difference. Everything else just kind of added up to this dull feeling, but it didn't resolve anything. You needed something. You needed someone. So one day someone said, hey, just show up at church. Try church. And so you showed up at church one day. You tried it that one day. And, and, and that day, maybe because your life finally got you to that place of being able to hear it for the first time, or maybe because the words that they used that day were just a little different and it hits you in that different way, or maybe just God showed up in a way and kind of smacked you upside the head. I don't know. But you heard it. And it changed everything. You found something you maybe didn't even realize that you needed before or were looking for before. You showed up that one day, you were looking for something, and you found it. You found it. Remember that moment? 
What were you looking for? What were you searching for that day? Who were you looking for? Think about it, like, like bring it here, like make it to the point in your memory, in your mind, where that's like it was yesterday. Do you remember? Today, today my hope is that you remember that thing that ached deep down in your bones, and, and maybe you're here and it still does, or it's here, it's why you're here. My hope is that you remember that and then also that you begin to see that other people have that ache the same as you do. And my hope is that you leave here knowing what you can do about that. That you leave here knowing how to have an impact. That uh, bone deep ache in us as humans, it's as old as, as humans are. It's always been here. It's just reality. And, and what I love about the Bible is that the Bible is just so true. Like in a historical sense, yes, it's true in a historical sense. And if you ask a historian, they're, if they really dig into it, they are amazed by the historical realities in the Bible. The Bible is an amazing historical document. But past that, the Bible is true because it's honest. It's like deep and honest. It gets, all, it gets at people's deepest desires and needs in a way that, that nothing else in history quite ever touches. I mean, it may be thousands of years old, but it's never stopped telling the stories of, of who we are as humans, what we need as humans, all in a way that we can relate to. For example, there's this time there's this time that uh, Jesus shows up into a town, it's Jericho. He's, he's making his way through Jericho and the people are out in droves. They are so excited to see this Jesus. They've heard about him. They've been excited about it. They know he's coming to town. So as soon as Jesus shows up, everybody just flocks to him. They make this big old parade basically. And so it, it's hard, like you can't even get to see Jesus. There, there are rumors that if you even touch Jesus's like cloak or his clothes in any way, shape or form, like you could be healed of something. So people were like, just right around Jesus as much as possible. It's a miracle there's not a riot because they all want to get close to Jesus. There's this guy, he shows up. I mean, everybody was there, like the, the religious people, the not religious people, even like tax collectors, the, the, the most awful group of people that, that take money for the Roman government, the oppressive force, and then take a whole bunch extra off the top so they can be rich. There's this one guy who showed up. He was the chief tax collector. He was the guy everybody knew and everybody hated, and he was vertically challenged. Uh, he was short. Um, and so he's there, he's showing up, and there's all these people around Jesus, and he can't see. He's, he's jumping up and down, trying to see, right? Like trying to see over the crowds, but he can't. So he runs ahead. He says, oh, look, there's a tree. And, and here this guy is. He's the chief tax collector. He's rich. He's got the money. He, he was maybe vertically challenged, a little like not feeling so good about himself. So he got the money, and people respected him because of that. So he humbles himself, because he would normally not do this sort of thing, runs ahead, gets to the tree, climbs up in the tree, and says, all right, I know he's coming past you. I'm going to see Jesus. And what happens? The whole crowd walking with Jesus, this parade, comes right on down the street, and they get to the base of the tree, and Jesus stops. The chief tax collector's name is Zacchaeus. And I imagine his heart started beating real fast <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> What's going to happen now? And it says, Jesus looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. 
I must be a guest in your home today. <laughs> Can you imagine how much he felt like, oh gosh, all right. <laughs> and so he rushes down really fast. He's full of excitement and joy, but the people that were around there, they were not having it. They were not pleased about this situation. They were frustrated. It says this, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be, at the, guest, be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. A notorious sinner. What is he doing that for? You should be eating with like the upright people, the good people. Why is he eating at the home of a notorious sinner? It's an interesting question to ponder, isn't it? When we talk about what it looks like to represent Jesus. Well, who did Jesus eat with? Here this man is who has cheated us out of our money, who everyone despises, even his so-called friends who he probably bought so he could have some friends, basically. Why him? But while they're grumbling, all the people frustrated that he's going to that house, look what happens next. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus, he showed up to see what all the fuss was about. Jesus, he drew him in. Couldn't help but do whatever he could to get a, a glimpse of him. And what Zacchaeus found was something he didn't even realize he was looking for. Jesus saw him. Like really saw him. He valued him. Went to his house for dinner. And with a simple gesture, Jesus gave him purpose he never knew he needed. His life changed from a life of getting whatever he could to a life of giving and giving and giving. On another occasion, there are yells and screams off in the distance. Jesus is in the courtyard, he's teaching, and here's the commotion. Off in the distance, there's this mob of men. And they come walking toward Jesus. And in the midst of that mob of men is this woman half being dragged through the dirt toward Jesus. When they finally get there, they're dragging her along. You can imagine them kind of shoving her at his feet. She falls to his feet. There's a, a plume of dust. And they yell at Jesus. They say, they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Jesus is unfazed. And I imagine he took a moment that felt like an eternity and he stared at each and every one of the men in their eye, seeing deep inside of them. And then he looks down at the woman, and he kneels down there by her, and it says this. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, 
They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And I mean, who knows what he was writing on the, on the ground there, right? Like, who knows? We'd write a grocery list for all we know. But maybe it was like the, the Ten Commandments, and, and then he was initialing beside them the names of, of each of the people that were there as accusers, like the most recent one of those things that they broke, law they broke. Who knows what he was saying or what he was writing, but we know what happens next. This is what happens next. It says, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. There are a lot of questions that emerge when you think about this story. The, the very first question is, where's the dude? Like, where's the guy? Come on, like, there's takes two. What's the point? But dwelling on that misses the point. And this woman, she was dragged in front of Jesus, made out by all the self-righteous people to be the worst of the worst. Her most frightening moment, dirty from being dragged through the dirt, body red, flush with shame. She desperately needed someone who understood, someone who, who saw the, the full scope of her life, how she'd gotten there, the ways she tried to get by. Who does she find? She finds mercy. She finds Jesus. Maybe the only person who could fully see her in that moment for her life and who she was. The only person with both the authority and the desire to set her free instead of condemn her. One more story. Jesus is teaching again, and as he's teaching, a whole bunch of kids show up. And the disciples, they try to stop, like, no, no, Jesus is busy. Like, don't, don't go bother Jesus. Stay away, guys. But Jesus says, no, let the kids come to me. And he says, for the kingdom of God belongs to people who accept the kingdom of God like these kids. And so he blesses them, and then they run off scampering away, all happy and giddy like kids do, right? And then this young, young gentleman shows up, and he's kind of running up to Jesus, and he gets to where Jesus says, you can kind of sense his eagerness, right? He's, he's believed, like the way he holds himself is, he's this feeling of being well-respected. He holds himself with character and, and he addresses Jesus, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus responds with good teacher, like, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And, and as a reader of the text, as a reader of the Bible, we're like kind of chuckling because it's ironic for Jesus to say that. But then he answers the question. He says, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Young man standing there, feeling pretty good about himself. His smile creeps over his face, a little anxious. He's feeling confident. He's excited. He's one step closer to being assured of eternal life, he thinks. And so he replies to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I've done all of these things since I was young. You can just feel the excitement in his statement. And, and what it says next is both amazing and heartbreaking. It says this. It says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Can you imagine that look from Jesus? 
So Jesus says what's required next. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The heartbreak settles in. In the Bible's description, it it transcends both time and culture because it's something all of us have seen on people's faces before. It's written all over their faces when it says, when it says, at this the man's face fell and he went away sad. For he had had many, for he had many possessions. Now, if you're a disciple in this situation, you're looking into this and thinking, what in the world just happened? Because to the disciples' perspective and the Jewish perspective of the day, if you had riches, you were blessed by God. Like you were well-to-do. That meant that God loved you and thought you were good and had given you lots of blessings. So obviously, in God's eyes, you are great. So the disciples, they ask the only logical question. that They say, then who in the world can be saved? If he can, he's great. He's, I know that guy. He's a good one. If he can't, then who can? And Jesus responds in that powerfully Jesus way. It says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. The rich man in this situation, he showed up to Jesus to receive validation. He wanted Jesus to tell him how good of a person he was. And here's what he found instead. What he found instead is that it's not about being good enough. It's about trusting God. And the only way that he was going to show that he trusted God in that moment was by giving it all away to follow Jesus. So here we are this morning, right? We have three different people, three different individuals. We have a corrupt tax collector. We have a woman caught in sin. And then we have a seemingly stand-up, righteous sort of man. They all come searching to Jesus, and only two of them come away understanding how this Jesus relationship really works. Which brings me to the question, which one are you? Who are you? Do you see your ache in any of these stories? Maybe it's the same song, just a different verse. Maybe it happened when you lost someone and you started searching because you didn't have that person anymore. Maybe you were dragged to Jesus in some form too. It was the only option left. Maybe it was when your body started to break down or maybe it was because Jesus was, was the only option that you had or, or because Jesus offered a purpose that felt bigger to you than yourself and it was the first time in your life that you'd ever experienced something that important, that powerful, even though it wasn't about being powerful yourself. But you want to be part of that. There are so many reasons, so many verses to that same song. But we have a reason, don't we? We have a reason, and it takes that deep in your bones reason to get to the place of being ready to listen to Jesus. The woman and Zacchaeus found a need inside themselves that nothing in this world seemed to satisfy. They were humble enough to find that answer and that need met in Jesus. 
the rich young man? He didn't. He had showed up or shown up to get himself propped up. And when that didn't happen, he walked away after his face had fell. It's kind of like picking up a child, right? Like when they're really young, they're, they're amazing, right? Like you just hold them under their arms and, and lift them right up. But there comes a moment when you have a child where they do this thing. You know what I'm talking about? When you're trying to pick them up and they go, like that? Anybody experienced that before? Nod your heads, yes. It is impossible to pick up that child. They are like, they're like 30 pounds, but they might as well be three ton. Like they're just so much weight and they're just doing this whole thing. I, I get to the point where I get so impatient, I just literally throw them over my shoulder and hold them like this. Like that's what happens for me. Uh, the other one is when you're trying to put them into a car seat. Has anybody experienced this before? <laughs> No, not doing it, not doing it. I am not getting into that car seat. My, my trick is just ever so slightly take the thumb and the finger, just press right on the hips, just like very gently hold it there. They will eventually cave, okay? <laughs> You're not hurting them, just hold it right there. It happens, it's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Now, now, I do those things, right? I throw them over my shoulder. I press gently on, on their hips to help them get down in the seat. But, but God is way more patient than I am. He has no interest in lifting us up out of a messy part of our life when we're wiggling around, insisting that we can do it ourselves. He's just got no interest in it. He just patiently waits until we're ready. He waits for us. Sometimes it takes time for people to be ready. But here's the superpower that we have. The thing that we possess as a follower of Jesus because we have experienced that humbling moment ourselves. Because we've had that ache and we've had it met in Jesus, we can see it in others, in your neighbor and your coworker, and your, and your friends. I mean, what ache does that person have who sits next to you at the office? What ache do your students carry around with them every day when you teach them? What's the thing that's on their shoulders that you can tell is just weighing them down? How about your best friend, that friend that you're the person they text in the middle of their darkest night? What are they, what are they texting you about? you can see it. And they might say it's one thing, but you know it's deeper than that. I'm not asking you to go digging for gossipy details. These are things that you do not share. This isn't something you share with others. This is something that we just need to know as true. Everyone has an ache deep in their bones that they need satisfied. Everyone every person on this planet. Some people are ready to accept help, like a child ready to be lifted out of a not so good situation. Some people just aren't ready yet. They insist on doing it themselves and, and we need to respect their choices. We can't force it on them because God respects their choices and he doesn't force himself on anyone. You, you have found a healing solution. You found something that makes some sense of the pain or at the very least, something that gives that pain a purpose. You've realized you have to let yourself get lifted out of the mess. You can't do it unless you grab a hold of the hand that God has stretched out to you and helps you lift you out. 
Maybe you're here today and, and today you need that help. I need to let you know, like today, if you need that help, it's ready and available for you. Like you can ask God, I need help, and he will meet you there. Don't sit on it though, and don't do it alone. Email a friend. You can email me afterwards or talk to me uh, after the service, and let's just talk. If you're in that spot, don't leave here without talking to someone about it because that's how God works. He works through people like that and helps you take that next step like that. Some of you have experienced that help from God. It changed everything. What do you do with that? What do you do with the fact that you have met God and he has met you in that frightening moment? How do you have an impact with that? Here's how. By living aware that others need this lifting force of God in their life too. How? Well, well, first, it's by being the kind of friend or sibling or spouse or neighbor who, who represents Jesus well. And what that looks like is being honest and sincere when the time is right. And it doesn't have to be weird, okay? Like maybe, maybe you sense that this person that you know and you care about is looking for something, like just something to make life more. And, and it doesn't feel like super urgent or anything, but they're, they're just searching. You can sense it and you can feel it. It's not complicated. You just share what you know. It could be as simple as an invite, like, hey, hey, you know what? Why don't you try church? Like, you're obviously searching for something. Show up at a church service. I'll sit with you so you don't feel weird, and then just see what it is. And if you don't like it, it's fine. I don't care. It's all good. This is just your chance to try it out. Come, check it out. We'll have fun. Or even, even easier than that, like, if that's just too much, like, they're just not the type of person that'll show up in person, send them a link to one of the videos on, on YouTube. Like, that's an easy first step. We, we call that our front porch here, right? Like, if you're watching, you're hanging out on our front porch. Like, it's an easy way to see what a service is like. But the, the best thing is, is that's a step towards stepping here in person and hanging out and being part of the community in person as well. Maybe it feels more urgent than that. Maybe it's one of those dark night texts that's a struggle and they need some help. Then maybe you just share about your faith. And again, it doesn't have to be weird. Like, you can simply say what's true for you. You can say, hey, I know I don't understand what you're going through completely but I want you to know I've been through a dark period in my life too and when that happened, it was my faith that brought me through. Just being totally honest, that's what I held on to. If you feel like you need that to hold on to now too, let's talk. It's just I've held on to my faith in that dark night. It's the same thing. And a quick note, if there's anything I've found to be true over the past dozen years of being a pastor here, uh, you can excuse me, the, the more together people seem to have it, like on the outside when you're looking like, oh, they're, they're amazing, they're perfect, they've got it all together, it's awesome. The more amazing that they seem like that, the more together they seem to have it, the deeper the struggles are buried. And anyone who would say that they don't have str- struggles in their life and, and aren't really dealing with some hard stuff, sometimes they are lying to your face. It's just true. It's real. We're human. 
Only a proud person can think that they can make it through this life without needing help. There's another way to reach people. Another way to help people be part of this church and, and achieve that mission of representing Jesus well. Um, it, it sometimes works itself out in serving. Like we're, we're starting to grow our children's ministry serving again. We have 945 service for, for kids kindergarten through fifth grade and all three services are for under that. It's good, but we're, we're growing our volunteer base to make sure it's excellent. So if you're interested in that, check out that and talk to Shauna, our, our children's, meeting director, children's ministry director downstairs. Uh, she's awesome. But, but there's also a really clear way uh, it's even simpler than that. Uh, it actually comes from an example in the Bible. And let me tell you, there are very few sermons written about this passage. It's kind of a weird, awkward passage, but I think it's, I love it. I think it's great. Take a look. So soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. You guys... Even Jesus needed someone to bankroll his ministry. It's true. And who did it? Who funded Jesus' ministry? It was women. It was a bunch of women who were kind of messed up. I'm just like seven demons. That's a lot. That's kind of scary. It's kind of crazy. It was women, but not just anyone, right? Women who had been transformed by Jesus. Their lives have been changed. And they couldn't help but do something about it. It was the least they could do. If you want to help reach people with the message of Jesus, it's as simple as giving. It's that simple. It's, it's that simple. Everything we do in this church, everything we do as a ministry of this church, everything this, does, this church does outside of the walls and inside these walls is focused on getting this hope of Jesus in front of as many people as we can. It's representing the hope and the freedom and the purpose of Jesus well to our community. That's what it is, and I have to be super clear. Everything that happens here is funded by you guys. Mike used to say, Pastor Mike, uh, the founding pastor here, that there's no money tree out back. It's just us. This is all we got. It's us. When you give, it helps this church family do what it's here to do. It's what makes Wednesday nights possible when 60 to 80 students show up here and do weird, goofy, crazy games. And you'd laugh your hinder off. It's, it's wild what they do. Um, I'm so glad the stained glass windows are still intact. Um, <laughs> But it's amazing, and they like they, their tagline is serious faith, serious fun, and they have some serious fun. And but oh man, it is challenging to these students, and they honestly are some of the kids that need it more than anybody maybe in history because it's tough being a kid now more so than maybe ever before. It's so important and so essential for these kids. That's what's possible. It's what allows us to have and produce these fantastic Sunday mornings for. Infant through fifth graders, like they grow up. Can you imagine growing up knowing so well that you are loved by God, knowing how Jesus lived and, and starting already in like third, fourth, fifth grade to know I can live like Jesus in my classroom. It's what makes that possible. It's, it's what makes it so we can provide a Sunday morning hiatus here in this place, in this room right now where you can feel encouraged, 
where you can worship and, and grow closer to God and have this connection and, and where you can go into the week and feel like, oh man, I'm gonna live a little differently and it's gonna make it better. It's gonna be good. It, it's what keeps the lights and the heat on so we can do those basic foundational things. And, and that doesn't even touch the other things that we do in this community. If you wanna hear some stories sometime, let's have coffee, I would love to tell you, but the most important stuff this, the basic foundational stuff about sharing this hope of Jesus, it, it, it's possible because of you guys. I'm convinced the biggest impact you can have with your finances is the betterment of this community. It's by supporting what God is doing here through RCC. It, it helps families stay together. It helps kids know they're loved by God and to live that way. It creates workplaces in this town that we've seen be transformed to have fantastic, healthy leadership filled with employees that really love God and they work differently because of it. I love this town, but let's be clear. You are why this is such an amazing place to live. You guys are. This church is a huge reason why this community is so amazing. So what does that look like? There's a lot of talk in churches about exactly what it looks like to give. Lots of churches talk about the biblical model, which is like 10%, right, of your income given to a place of worship. I have to be transparent with you. That's what my wife Meg and I have done for a dozen years. And I want to tell you that because I need you to know, I know that that's a sacrifice. It's a lot of money over a long period of time. I, I get it. I, I know. But, but know that giving like that, it grows your faith in amazing ways. When you find yourself relying on God for things, you find yourself trusting God a whole lot more. Maybe you're not there yet. Some of you are. Some of you are already doing it. That's amazing. Some of you are like right there, like I'm going to make that step. That's amazing. That's an incredible way that you can invest in God doing amazing work in this community. But maybe you just need to take a step today. Like maybe you're here. And I just need to take one step. I need to do it for the first time. That would be incredible. But here's my encouragement. If you know what that ache is, the thing that you feel deep in your bones, if you know how the message of Jesus transformed your life, remember that. That's what you're giving to. It's that thing. You're giving to the furthering of that message of God's kingdom, God's hope, God's transforming power. With that in mind, maybe today you can start somewhere. Maybe it looks like I'm just going to do $20 a week or $20 twice a month. And for you, to do that, literally, it's as easy as those baskets and back on your way out. You've probably seen them. Um, but for a lot of people, you actually do it online. There's, there's a little QR code in front of you. You can do that. Or um, you just go to ripandchurch.com, and there's a little thing that you click on in the bottom right. Personally, I, 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 you just set it up. For us, we set it up so it's a monthly thing. And I know it's weird to talk about money at church. I get it. If you're here and you're visiting, just like cut off the second half of the sermon, okay? And like focus on that because that's why you're here. But if you're here and you're invested and you care about this community and you care about reaching people with this message of hope that you've experienced in your life, then don't shy away from this. It's a huge way for you to know that you're part of making that message get furthered. I think of the rich young man, right? That rich young man, and I think, 
Jesus, I don't, I don't want to believe that Jesus gave up on him. He walked away with his face low, right? But I have a feeling, and this is, this is not in the Bible, but, but I can't help but think that, that those words, they just nod at him. And he began to think about them and, and process them and realize them. And all of a sudden, over some time, he realized, man, there's no riches in this life that are worth anything more than what Jesus offers. And at some point in his life, he found himself back into the orbit of Jesus. I don't know if that's true. It's not in the Bible, but I've seen it happen here. I've seen what this church can do. So why not invest and helping people experience that transformation. You can do that by serving, by showing up on a Sunday morning during a Packer game, wow, way to go. You can do that by giving, but take a step. But again, only do that if you're here and you're invested. If this is your church home, that's when you do that. If you're just checking us out, let's not take that step yet. But if you're here and you want this to be your church, I challenge you to take one step like that this week. And with that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll finish with some worship. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for your love and the ways that you have met us in those difficult moments, those hard moments. Thank you for the ways that even when life seems hopeless, you bring hope into every situation. So God, today, we, we thank you for that hope. And God, we ask that you would help us to see the ways that we could share it with our friends through inviting and having honest conversations and also through being a part of this church with, with our own giving too. Help us to know how to take that step. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.